to see a shift in the kind of messages I get. In the beginning, I heard mostly from family members who wanted to know how to stop their loved one from being scammed. Now, I'm hearing more and more from people who are at a place similar to my own. They're frustrated. For years, I've been trying to get through to people that this is a love addiction. I remember the first time I heard from a woman we'll call Jenny. Like me, she's a journalist and was hoping to use her journalism skills to show her mother that she was being scammed. Jenny had a more direct approach with her mother, where I was more of a pushover because my mother was dying from cancer. She helped me answer the questions that run through my mind daily. Did I do enough? Should I have taken a different tone with my mom? Because Jenny is a storyteller like myself, you're not going to hear from me much. I'm not going to interject much here. She can tell her own story much better than me. Here's Jenny's story. When did this all start and, and how did it start? Okay, so um, I live in Canada and um, it was actually Halloween night when my aunt, uh, my mom's sister, gave me a call and she said, we're, we're worried about your mom and uh, she's asked me to borrow $10,000. And I said, okay, any reason why? She's like, well, I'm really kind of concerned because she had mentioned some kind of friend that's working on an oil rig in Italy and his equipment broke down and apparently he can't get paid his contract until he fixes the equipment. And it also sounded like this person might have told my mom some sort of dire story where maybe people were in trouble, like maybe something was on fire or because it sounded like desperate, you know, like I just remember her reaction at the bank was desperation. So I think something to that caveat might have been told to her by the scammer. So October 31st, and then I started looking into her emails because a um, bit of a background, I had bought her an iPhone 6, an older model iPhone uh, a few years ago, and it was mainly to keep in touch because I had just had a baby and I wanted to you know, send her pictures and she lives an hour away, so it's not really that convenient to like always go up and see her. And also that so she can keep in touch with our family, like her, her sister, she's got a big extended family. And um, that was the kind of main reasoning for it. So I had actually kind of wrestled whether or not she needed Facebook. But I was like, well, you know, some of our family members are on there, so I'll install it for her. This is a dilemma for so many of us with older parents. We want to make them happy by connecting with everyone online. But at what cost? Jenny even took steps to avoid the scumbags. So what has happened is that when I created her Facebook profile, I I wasn't diligent enough or didn't have the foresight enough to think about locking it down completely. Like I had bought her a book like, um, you know, using a cell phone for dummies. And it, it does tell you about security and, and privacy and all that. But I don't think she actually read the book at the end of the day. And so the Facebook profile was open and people could randomly message her and they were messaging her and she was responding to every single one of them, as I found out. And a lot of those people were scammers. So that's kind of how this whole mess started. 
So after my aunt told me, you know, the, the $10,000 borrow request was, I, I went into her email because I had set up her Gmail account and I had noticed that she has two banks that she deals with. And so one bank, she had sent a picture of this guy, this Chinese guy in probably in his like mid forties, maybe early fifties. And it didn't have anything else attached to it. It was just a picture of a guy. And there was another email to another bank that she she has accounts with. And that person, I think there was either an appointment email or there was something about a wire transfer. So I have a background in journalism. So uh, my instinct is to just investigate the hell out of this. So I um, emailed the two uh, bank employees and I said, listen, you know, you don't know me, but I am the daughter of your client here. And I think she may have been scammed. The backstory with my aunt, you know, the guy working on the oil rig. And then both of them actually called me back like in a day or two, like surprisingly really open. They can reveal only so much because it's client privacy rules or whatever, but um, they were able to tell me like, yeah, your mom was in the the bank and she was, you know, told us the story, wanted the wire transferred for $10,000. And then the fact that it was like the oil rig story really kind of gave them the red flag and they didn't let the wire transfer go through. Ditto for the other bank as well too. You got lucky that they talked to you because our family couldn't get anyone to talk to us. I mean, they could, tell us certain things, but they wouldn't be able to tell us like if, if she had taken money out of the bank or the, like how much, like it was mostly about that one transaction. So uh, that was helpful to know that, okay, the banks have stopped that. So I said, can you put a, a flag on her account? They said we can, but at the end of the day, it's, if it's her money that she's taking out and if, you know, scammers are, are telling her, Here's a way to avoid those red flags by saying, you know, it's for a family friend or it's for like a renovation or something else, then there's really not much we can do. And I, I get it. So I went a different way. I, I started, um, I, I like, I didn't want to tell my dad at first because I didn't know how he would react. Now they're still so married, right? They are still married. Yeah. They've been married since uh, like 1970. So it's been, it's been like 50, over 50 years. So, and, and just to kind of prefix, like my parents should have never really gotten married because like they're mismatched. They were actually, they're both Chinese immigrants to Canada. They were actually matched by a matchmaker. So it's, it's almost like an arranged marriage and they are so different in so many ways. I mean, the great thing about their marriage is that I'm here, (laughs) I guess. That's a whole nother story that's interesting. It it is, but it really kind of ties into it. This is sort of like the root of like how things sort of led to where just years and years of unhappiness and incompatibility and um, my mom wanting to travel and my dad being a homebody. So when you kind of look at that as a whole, like you can see why she would turn to the attention of a scammer. But at the same time, it's just really tragic. So I had her Gmail account and I ended up calling her and saying, like, uh, hey, I'm just trying to update your your privacy settings on Facebook. I've heard there was like a, a hack or something like that. So she allowed me to get into her Facebook. And from there, I was able to like change passwords so that only I could access them as well, too. Like I had way in from that point. I was able to like lock down her account, put her privacy settings so that nobody could actually look for her. Search. She wasn't searchable anymore. But in the meantime, she had talk to all these scammers and her chat messages. I was reading through them and there were like two. There were two that really kind of stuck up to me. One of them was the picture of the guy that was given to the financial advisor at the bank. 
And so I'm reading that chat transcript. And the funny thing is, I know it was a romance scam, but the way that the conversations kind of went through, at least from what I saw from the Facebook transcript, was that it's like, hello, friend, how are you? How's your mom? It was never like he would ask her about her husband and her family. And unfortunately, she revealed personal information about my daughter, like her age and her name and stuff like that. But it was never like sexual or romantic. It was a weird sort of like, hello, how are you on the oil rig today? Like, it sounds like I don't it was know. just so, company. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like a companionship thing. So I was reading that. And then I was reading this other transcript of another scammer who it started going deeper. And then she was saying like she was being threatened by this other person. And that person was like the picture of the guy that was sent to the bank. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this is making sense that she had actually sent $25,000 to this other scammer, like who was threatening her and threatening her family, had said like he was a powerful person in China. And so that's when I confronted her and I said, listen, I know about the $25,000 that you sent. And then she got on the phone and she's like, like, I don't have that amount of money. I went to my my mobile provider at the mall and one of the employees was messing with him. I was like, huh? Because <laughs> I was like, who would do that? Like what 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 mobile like like what cell phone pro- like <laughs> worker would do that? So I got my detective hat on and then I called the the mall location and I said, listen, you don't know me. Maybe you know my mom. And she's like, oh, of course, we know your mom. Like she comes in every week and we love helping her. And she was saying like she's been trying to send these wire transfers. And I said, is there any way that one of your employees would have messed with this this other scammer just to get her off her back? And so she asked and she's like, oh, actually, yeah, there <laughs> was one god I, and love I, was, it. Okay. <laughs> I was like okay so, story so ha- <laughs> yeah so she's i was like so she actually hasn't sent twenty five thousand dollars, and like she isn't being threatened by some high power guy she thinks is from china it was just to kind of get this guy off the back all right all right all right okay okay so so that scammer is off the radar that's fine but there's this other guy he goes by the name of andy Lim, the picture that was sent to the the banker the oil rig guy so that guy is the real threat at this point. And the funny thing is, like, at that point, I called our local police unit or whatever. They have a community safety officer. They said, we hear stories about seniors getting scammed by romance scams all the time, all different kinds of scams. What we can do is you can come to your house, talk to your mom, and we can bring a social worker with us. What do you think about that? I said, great. I thought maybe, like, a person of authority could knock some sense into her. And at that point, I had to tell my dad because he's always home. So I told him. And the funny thing is, like, the messed up thing is he already knew about it. He's like, oh, your mother wants to run away with Andy Lim. She thinks that he's got like he's a millionaire and he's working on an oil rig and his equipment's broken. And she thinks that he is going to come over here. They're going to get married. And she's just tired of being poor, which is like. I, I understand because they are living, you know, the pension that they get from the government, the payments, which are like minuscule. They get, you know, 20 to 30 grand a year. That's a household income. So I completely understand the sense of being tired of living in poverty. But she thinks that she's going to get a big payout. So it's not necessarily like a romance thing where she's like, oh, I'm so in love with this guy. I think it's more like this person's going to take care of me. I'm mm. just tired of being so poor all the time. And my mom this was the same way. She was like, I, I deserve this. Your mom probably yeah. had the same kind of feeling. I deserve this. 
it's a bit of that. So, I mean, so part of it is like a greed kind of thing, mm-hmm. but also I understand where it's coming from. It's just, it's just not going to happen though. Right. So, yeah. so back, back um, up just a minute. How did she, how did she react when you told her that you'd been through her messages? Did she get mad? Um, like at the time, um, when, when I confronted her, so that was early November, she was like, Oh, like it's no big deal kind of thing. And, and she's just, I'm just trying to help a friend who, who works overseas, that sort of, but, but she wasn't angry about it. Okay. Although when, when I did organize the police to come to the house, she was kind of more cagey about it. She was secret. She did give me her phone and I was able to look through it, but I think she had like the scammer had already instructed her to hide things. Cause when I looked through her WeChat and uh, I later found out that she's also talking to him on WhatsApp. Um, I, I, I couldn't see anything that was kind of out of the ordinary. So, yeah, I mean, the, the police came in, they talked to her, they said, listen, like we try to be gentle with her. We said, this is not your fault. A lot of smart people, a lot of smart women, older women, they, they get sucked into these things and you know, there's no shame in it. We just want you to stop sending this person money. Or, or if you haven't sent money yet, do not send money to anybody that you have not met in real life. And she kind of like sat there and she nodded. And at the end, I said, like, we tried to pound in our head. This person was real. It was like a fake profile. Somebody probably overseas, like in Nigeria or Ghana or wherever is like behind it. And she's like, I don't know what to believe at the end. But she did say that she would stop talking to him. So I figured, okay, so she doesn't have a lot of savings. It's hard to get. The flags are already up at the bank. If she still talks to him, fine, whatever. Now, did the police as long as he talks any money. Did they, did they try and scare her at all? Like talk about money muling or what could happen legally or anything? Or they, they- Yep, they did talk about that. And again, I don't think she really understood it. I am worried for her at this point because I, I don't think anything that I can say will sort of convince her otherwise. But yeah, uh, I'm just trying to protect like both my parents in different ways from the back end as much as I can at this point. And so, you and I kind of have the same feeling because because we're both journalists. We think, oh, well, I'll just look into it. Tell my mom she'll trust me because I'm a journalist and I know things. I investigate things that other people don't and mm-hmm. it'll go away. But people yeah. don't understand until you've been through this with your mother before that it becomes an addiction and it they become knuckleheaded. Yeah, yeah it's it's like living in that fantasy cloud. It's uh, what do you call it? It's the betrayal blindness where any sort of new information that will threaten the fantasy and threaten the kind of good feelings, the dopamine and the oxytocin that you get from these conversations, the brain will just shut it down before it gets to that sort of rational part of the brain. It'll just like shut it down because it's like, I don't want to stop feeling good. I, I'd rather not know like, la, 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 la. Yes. <laughs> okay. So then uh, you took some more steps then to protect your father. So tell us what you did there. Sure. So um, that was in November and everything kind of calmed down. There was like a point in, I think like February or January at like five in the morning, like I, I had told some of my close friends about this and they had kind of given me an alert saying, hey, listen, I just saw your, your mom's, you know, we're friends on Facebook. And I saw that she had posted a picture of the guy, the scammer at oh, like no. four, four in the morning as a story on, on Facebook. <laughs> I was like, so I, I messaged, I said, why did you post a picture of Andy Lim? If I, and then she never responded. Right. So um, anyway. I, again, I figured if she's talking to him fine or she's like still like wrapped up in him fine, as long as she's not sending him money, fine. So 
everything was pretty quiet up until about a couple weeks ago. And so that's like late June, early July. And um, I was just kind of like, I have her on my Gmail accounts um, and I, I just randomly kind of checked her email and I noticed that there was one of the banks that she deals with sent her an email that basically said, hi, I, I'm so sorry, but we can't give you the loan that you're asking for. You recently got a $6,000 loan approved from your other bank. And so like your income doesn't doesn't allow for it. And I was like, oh, shit. So, so like I go back through her other emails and sure enough, there was an appointment for uh, her to speak to a financial advisor at a different branch of the same bank, obviously, so she wouldn't get detected. So, again, I do my thing. I reach out to both banks and I say, listen, I think my mother's been scammed. Here's like the other conversations I've had with other people from your bank. Uh, can you please call me? And so... They both call me again, and the person that gave her the loan said, you know, she came in and she was so nice, but she was vague about why she wanted the money, because we do have to ask. And she said, oh, I need it for a family friend, but she wouldn't say anything beyond that. And the advisor's like, I borrowed money before from a for family, so it didn't seem like it was kind of, it was off for me, because it's, it's a reasonable thing to ask for, right? So... Obviously, she's been coached by the scammer to get that money. So now I know she's got $6,000. I call her because I'm like, I got to know. Maybe she didn't, she needed for something else. Uh, and she said, I, ca I caught her off guard. This time she's on the phone. She's like, you know, Jennifer, leave me alone. This is my personal life. This is my business. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like I kept pressing and she kept saying, it'll all work out by the end of the month. And so from what I took from that is that she has already given the money away and he's probably made her some sort of like bullshit promise that he'll come and um, save her or take her away or marry her at the end of the month or he'll pay her back. And of course, they never do. Right. They just basically say, oh, I can't. I've been held up at customs. Please send me more money. You know, it's it's always an excuse with an attachment to a request for more money. So, and my mom did um, the same thing. It's my life, my money, but yeah, it's not just their lives. It affects the whole family. Yeah, and I so couldn't get that the, through to her at the point where I'm like, okay, she's so she's able to take out a six thousand dollar loan. She may be able to take out more at another time. Um, and, and won't be able to pay it back because I know how much income she has. But also um, what really scares me are we have payday loans here where mm -hmm. the interest rates are like 2000%. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible to pay them back. And I checked it up and you can actually use your, your government um, pension payments to use as collateral. So she can get into a lot of trouble with that. And the muling for sure is a huge concern because I, as much as backend stuff I can do, I can't stop her from doing that. Right. And that can end her up in, in prison or jail. So, all right, she's got the loan thing. Let's, let's deal with my dad first. So they're still married. Their house has been paid off. It's been paid off for a number of years now. And he's like 13 years older than her. So he's in his like late eighties now. I was concerned that, A, he would be destitute if her loans get racked up so high that it ends up turning into a lien into the house. And so I was trying to figure out, like, creative legal ways of how to protect him. And I found out uh, in Canada, anyway, in, in our province, we we're able to um, change uh, the home ownership type. So right now their home is, is in joint tenancy, which means if my dad dies, then 
it all goes to my mom. It supersedes a will. Like if he wanted to give it to me, it would all go to her. And then my concern is she would give it all to the scammer. So then I figured out, like, if you change the joint tenancy to something called tenants in common, then his half will be protected. At least it's going 50-50. She can piss away, like, <laughs> her savings or whatever, but at least my dad will be protected. So we're working on um, uh, seeing a lawyer for that. And in the meantime, to protect my mom as best as I can, I've been able to, like, it's a bit sneaky, but I called up Equifax and I basically said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm my mother. Um, and if there's any sort of loans that are taken out, I'd like an alert to be sent to me, like an identity theft alert. And you can call my cell. Awesome. So ideally, they will call my cell if, any, if she tries to take out another loan. I'll say, no, 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 I never authorized that. So who knows if that will work, but that's uh, that's part of it. <laughs> so uh, and I have to fight fire with fire. Uh, you know, now, they're still living it. together, right? Your parents? Yeah, they're still living together. And uh, with the housing prices as well, too, like if they were to split the house, I think it would be difficult for them to live separately. Um, so ideally, it, it is still best for them to live together. And it also would mean that the money is still tied up in the house. So she can't really freely spend it, which is a good thing. So anyway, we're, we're still kind of investigating that. Also, like as this was happening, I reached out to an ex-boyfriend of mine who works in um, tech security. And I told him, you know, what was happening. I said, I'd really love to know who this scammer guy is. And he actually through his own detective work, and he wouldn't tell me how, but he was able to figure it out. And it turns out it's it's a guy that's in Ethiopia, and he's probably my age. He's in his like early 40s, got two kids, and ironically was uh, went to engineering school the same time I went to journalism school. And it, it could be him. It's a good chance that it could be him. And the funny thing is, like, I don't know if I was angry per se. I just kind of wanted to know. I don't plan on doing anything with this information, but it's just kind of good to know. Because it's not like you can really prosecute or anything. That's the problem. No. You can track him down. But then once you track him down, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. And and uh, I mean, I've, I've heard people that have gone dark when they find out the identity of these scammers, like, you know, threats and whatnot. I, I'm not really interested in that. A, a part of me... I wouldn't say feel sorry for them, but I just understand the context of why they would do something like this. Like in poorest countries in the world, Wild West, like corrupt police, you work for a whole month at a gas station. You can make $30 U.S. You work at home for on a phone, like scamming people. And that's your livelihood there. It could be safer. So, I mean... I don't condone it. I don't feel sorry for them. But at the same time, I understand the motivations for doing it. So I also know it's not personal, you know, because yeah, it's yeah. like a fishing net, right? Okay, so so yeah, my ex found found the person, but I said, you know, I want to know who the picture, who the guy in the picture is. So um, I had started watching these YouTube videos on, uh, it's called Scamfish, and I think the company is called Social Catfish. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out of yeah. Oklahoma. He's by where I am, yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. He's a great company. Really, really, really intuitive and everything. So for $5.99, you basically sign up, you get like five days of searches. And um, so I, I did a reverse image search of, of Andy Lim. And it came up like, I think there was like 10 hits. And then one of them ended up being like a testimonial for a doctor's office. 
And they put down this guy's real name. And I Googled him and I looked up his Instagram account. I'm like, holy shit, it's him. And it was so surreal, like finding out the identity of this person after seeing, like just looking at this guy's picture for yes. like six months. Oh, yeah, I did Crazy. Too. Yeah. Oh, I felt like it was, well, again, the whole investigative thing made me feel like it gave me that, that rush, right? Because <laughs> I, I found him like, oh, my God. And then I immediately reached out to him. And I said, listen, you don't know me, but um, there are scammers that are using your photo and your ID. Like, here are all the pictures on different profiles on Facebook, on weird dating sites, like Russian dating sites. And he he wrote back, like, he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Has your mom fallen, like, actually given money to this guy? And I said, yeah, unfortunately, sounds like it. And we had this conversation where... He said, I get five to seven reports every single year from people who message me and saying, I've seen your picture. It's like either like victims of scams have contacted him or like his friends have said, like, we've seen you on different profiles and he's reported them every single time. And you can't do anything like you can report it, but nothing really happens. And so what I think has happened for him is that like he's a victim, too, because it's picture got stolen but um i think he's in a database of of um of photos that scammers use and maybe sell to each other it's been like years that this is going on and he's still getting he's still getting people like saying hey i'm in love with you or hey like i i've seen your picture and like i was talking to this guy and he has to say like that's not me he's married he's got a family he is a real estate investor in washington state and he's like well like your mom, did she not realize that this guy doesn't speak Chinese? That's sort of like, <laughs> that's sort of like a big sort of red flag there. I said, yeah, you're telling me. So um, what was kind of cool was we had this seven minute video chat on Instagram because he's like, I, can you show me, can you chat with me to make sure that, you know, you're real? Oh. And so I was explaining to him, I was like, it's so surreal to see you in person right now. And he actually did a really sweet thing where he's offered to um, do a three-way call with my mom. I, I'm not fully, I don't think it's going to get to her, to be honest. Even with him saying, like, this is my picture, but you have not been talking to me. It's been stolen. I think she just, it's she's sucked into the chat itself that it, it won't matter, to be honest. So Yeah, well, what happened with my mom is the scammer eventually revealed himself and she still wanted to talk to him because they're still company. Yeah, it's it's a real cult mentality. Even after their life savings are gone, even after their home is gone, even after they've gone to jail for mewling, they still wonder, was it real or was it a scam? Like, I still think of my scammer. I still remember the feeling of how it felt to talk to him. And it's just like, oh, it's, it's maddening for, for families of victims. But it's also so crazy psychologically. Because you're so sucked into it and nobody can convince you otherwise. I see my mom. I do want to help her. I do care about her. But I also can't get myself so sucked in. I can't like, I won't allow myself to kind of clean up her messes to take her in after she's lost everything. Because A, I can't. I, I still rent her. But B, it's sort of like, we told you. We tried to help you. <laughs> like, I, I can't blow up my life in order to to just 
clean up your mistakes, right? So that's good it, to hear because you know my mom died in the middle of this whole mess, and when she lost everything, she was going through cancer treatments, and she had no place to live, no car. And I said, and I I had just gotten married, and I said, you can come live with me on one condition, and because this is when the scamming thing first started, I didn't know if it was dangerous or what. And I said, you got you have to stop talking to your scammer, and she said no, so she. I yeah. did not take her in because of that because she was so addicted that she couldn't stop. Yeah. And I wonder, like, so my aunt says, well, well can't you just take away your, her phone? Like, you gave her the phone. I said, yeah, but if you take away the phone, she could just get another phone. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Like, that's I mean, not- obviously, she's bestie with besties with the people at the cell phone store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should make a movie out of this, to be honest. Oh, they like, will. So I don't know. I don't have any real advice for, for families other than like all the kind of steps that I've taken, but I mean, it's still going on, so I can't stop it. You know what I mean? So, and that's frustrating. And I've been in contact with one of your other podcast um, guests. And yeah. how's that going? You guys she, are communicating good. Oh, she's, yeah, she's great. And yeah. we've been able to kind of, it's, it's nice to have that support because it's a very sort of nuanced thing. Other people won't really get it unless they've been through it. But um, I, I like what her therapist had told her, which is like, this is your mom's journey, right? Like you can try and, and inter, interject or, or tell her all these things. But at the end of the day, it, it is her journey. So I kind of take that and apply it to my situation because, yeah, there's only so much you can do. I'm taking a trip soon that I hope will give me a little bit of closure, if not at least be therapeutic. For those of you who've been following along with my journey, you know that my mom died in March of 2020, right when the pandemic started. I bought a plane ticket for me and my husband to travel to Jackson, Mississippi, so we could hold a service for her. But we still haven't been able to have that service because of spikes in coronavirus numbers. My brother went to Jackson last week to get our ashes. We decided that we'd take the trip, just the two of us, to Kingman, Kansas, so she can rest next to her father. I'm hoping it gives me and my brother time to reflect on the good times so I can try and heal the anger that's still in my heart. I'll keep you informed on how it goes. In the meantime, keep the messages coming on the Scammer Stories Facebook page. You can also email me at scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Scammer Warriors.